Welcome to the Living Well with Caitlin podcast hosted by me, Caitlin Soule, where I often record in the car and on the fly because let's be real, life is a bit crazy these days. I am a licensed therapist, a mom to three kiddos, a wife, and a very imperfectly evolving human being. My hope on this podcast is to be able to share tips and tools and insights with you both from my clinical practice and from my life experience to help you learn to live well with whatever struggle life throws your way. Cheers. Good morning, friends. Uh, Well, for me, it's morning. I guess who knows when you're listening to this episode, but I am happy to be starting a new week. We have been on spring break for two weeks with the kids, and I um, had the um, ability to take last week off pretty much. I saw some clients, but I had a lot of time with the kids. We did a whole bunch of adventuring. If you follow along um, with my Instagram page, you will see that we were doing a whole bunch of local stuff. We went to Santa Cruz, which is pretty close to us, and spent a couple days there with some really good friends and family. And then we got to go to Tahoe and do a couple days of skiing and Just yesterday, we got to kind of explore our local coastline and go to Muir Woods and Stinson Beach. So a lot of running around and trying to make memories in a really weird year um, so that we can kind of enter into spring fresh. I don't know for sure what things will look like and either do you, right? There's so much uncertainty that life throws our way all the time and especially these days. Um, with the kind of unfolding of the pandemic and what that means for us and our work and our kids and our life. And it's just craziness. So we wanted to take the time to really invest in making some family memories. Um, We were lucky to be able to do some fun stuff. So I'm ready to launch into routine this week. I'm kind of craving the structure. Um, That's funny. I was craving a break from the structure and I'm craving a re-entry into structure this week. So I'm happy to be uploading this podcast conversation that I got to have with Molly Lupo. Um, I'll tell you more about Molly in a minute, but before I kind of jump into that, I wanted to let you guys know about some fun or I don't want to say fun, but some exciting slash um, new opportunities on the Living Well with Caitlin um, platform. So first, I am still working away on my book. I have, I'm, so many of you have like sent me sweet messages and encouragement and I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be able to share more about what the book is about and title and things like that soon but basically it's a book for women specifically for moms but really for all women around mental health and the places that we often get stuck when it comes to our own personal growth and basically how to get unstuck and how to do it all imperfectly you know um too often there's this perfection i think tied up with personal growth and Um, This idea that we as women have to have all of our shit together, so to speak, um, in order to be worthy or to be good enough or to be able to take that next step or that next leap. And what I want to remind you of and what I write about in the book is my own very imperfect journey as well as many of my clients' journeys towards personal growth and healing and change and really reclaiming and stepping into the life that they want to live. So I'm so excited to be able to share that book with you when it comes out it'll it's definitely been a journey and let's see i think it's set to launch in 2022 in spring of 2022 so now i'm gonna go into editing phase pretty soon 
man, it's been a trip. So I'll share more on that. The other offering that I'm so excited about and looking forward to is the new six-week anxiety workshop that I am offering on livingwellwithcaitlin.com. You can sign up for it. You can also find the information about it by going to the link in my bio on my Instagram page. But basically, this workshop was born out of my... um, understanding that there's just such a big need right now for people who want to get help specifically with anxiety and excessive worry. And, you know, unfortunately, they're sitting on wait lists to see therapists, or they can't afford weekly therapy, or they can't invest the time that it often takes in therapy one-on-one to be able to make change. So I put together this sort of six-week, let's call it a gentle boot camp, but it is a boot camp because it'll teach you all the skills and tools that you need to know to change your relationship, like I say, um, with anxiety for the better and hopefully forever. The workshop is based in cognitive behavioral therapy and ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, and really just all the things that I have found actually work when it comes to helping people make change and, and heal their relationship with anxiety and start to feel better. So it's honestly, if you know, when I have a, if I had a loved one struggling with anxiety, which I'm sure I do, and maybe they're just, you know, struggling with it silently as we do, or um, if I, you know, could just sort of put this out there in the universe for anyone who wants the help but doesn't know where to start, or maybe has been doing therapy but hasn't quite gotten the results they want, um, I hope you'll check it out. This is. One of my favorite things I've done, and I also think one of the most, honestly, I'm just going to say effective and impactful programs I've put together. There will be practices in between session and um, in order to help you develop the skill. And also, you're welcome to email me and message me throughout the course of the workshop so I can give you feedback. Just a quick note, it is coaching, not therapy. I can't have a one-on-one therapy relationship with you in the forum of this workshop. So I'll be acting as your anxiety coach and motivator and um, sort of guide. So that allows me to be a little bit more active and directive and kind of hold you more accountable. So join me in that workshop. It starts May 3rd, every Monday for six weeks after that at 7 p.m. If you can't be there for the recorded or for the live session, that's totally fine. Life happens. I will record each session and then you can access that recording for seven days after the live session. So livingwellwithcaitlin.com to sign up. Um, The event will be hosted on Zoom. Everything's there on my Instagram page too. Enough about that. I hope you'll join me. Um, Follow along on my Instagram page at livingwell underscore with Caitlin to find out more about that. Okay, guys. Now let's jump into the podcast conversation that I got to have with my new friend, Molly. Molly Lupo is a nurse practitioner. She'll tell you all the deets about what it is she actually does, but from where I sit, she's an incredible woman, a mom, um, a wellness advocate, and somebody who has a wealth, incredible wealth of knowledge about physical health, um, as well as nutrition. And she talks about in this conversation, the, the lifestyle medicine and the five pillars of wellness that we all need to be paying attention to. We dive into emotional eating and how to cope with that and how we can focus on developing our mindful eating skills when it comes to 
our desire to sort of sometimes, uh, should I say, drown our emotions and feelings with food. So Molly is a wealth of information. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And let's dive in. Okay, great. So I'm here with Molly and I've given a short introduction, but Molly, thanks for being on. Um, so happy to have you and be talking about all the things today. Um, I would love it if you could introduce yourself. I know that's kind of a really broad <laughs> question to our listeners before we get started. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So I'm um, a mom of three. Um, I'm married. We're in the Midwest. We're in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and by sort of trade, I'm a nurse practitioner, um, but I quickly learned uh, while being in practice as an NP that there was so much more I wanted to know and learn. So I also um, have certifications in nutrition and health and wellness coaching. And then I've done a lot of training around lifestyle medicine as well. And I kind of take all those things and integrate them when I work with people. So Wonderful. That's so great. Can you tell us, and for those, those of um, us who don't know what lifestyle medicine is, because I think that's sort of a newer term. Um, tell us what that is. Yeah. So the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is a national organization, and they sort of deem these six pillars to be sort of like the core things of like, this is like a way to prevent chronic disease and to take mm -hmm. care of yourself in a meaningful way. And so the first is focusing on your nutrition. The second is um, sleep. So getting adequate amounts. Um, the third is stress management techniques. So anything like meditation, yoga, mindfulness stuff, um, avoiding risky substances like alcohol, smoking, and drugs, cultivating meaningful relationships. Um, and I'm missing one exercise. I didn't say exercise, um, exercise. So the aim is to get at least 150 minutes a week and at least two days to do strength training. Yeah. That's the part I'm missing right now. I get a lot of movement in, I feel just cause I'm somebody who requires a lot of movement. Yeah. I'm not doing so much strength training these days other than lifting care kids up and down the stairs. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've actually struggled with the strength piece of it because for a while I subscribed to, um, there's a husband and wife team that runs a company called street parking Oh, and they okay. give you, I, they live here in Petaluma. Yeah. Where I'm so, from. yeah. So they, you know, they write super quick and efficient workouts, but, and I did it for a couple of years, but I don't like to like go in and look up what every single exercise is every time I do it. It's like one of my barriers. Yeah. So I actually was chatting with a physical therapist friend the other day and I was like, how do people write these programs? Cause there has to be a more simple way mm -hmm. for someone who doesn't have like that education background. Yeah. And she basically told me there's like these six different movements that you want to focus on. And so I was like, oh, and since I've been doing street parking for a couple of years, I sort of know like the basic movements of what they mean and look like. So I recently, like as in this week, just started writing my own workouts. <laughs> So cool. Okay. Well, we'll have to follow up on that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. At the end of the podcast, I'll let everyone know where they can find you. So I'm sure we would all be interested. Yeah. In that. I make them super better. simple. Yeah. For us, for us, busy moms and women, like the simpler, the better. And I find that so speaking of right barriers, um, I think that a lot of it comes down to time and, um, also when it comes to wellness and also some sort of misguided beliefs around 
that we have to change it all at once, right? We have to do everything at once and make these yeah. drastic changes. How do you help people in the sphere of your work um, understand that real change happens over time? And I would say in sort of these like half steps. Yeah. So I think it's so easy for us. And it was this way for me a couple of years ago too. It's like, we all want everything right now. We live in this world where like, I can send you a text message halfway across the world and you'll get it like a second later, you know? So we're used to like getting everything we want as soon as we want it. Mm -hmm. But if we zoom out the lens, if we can actually look at like, what is the bigger picture? So I actually like to step back from the half steps and I like to have people sort of identify their whys. Like, why is this so important to you? And I don't know if you've heard of the theory of like the seven layers of why but it's like I'm a big fan of the why in my work right so like you know someone comes to me and they're like I want to lose weight and you're like okay great so why why do you want to lose weight and they're like I want to look good in my swimsuit this summer I don't know I'm making it up and you're like okay but why is that important to you well because I want to feel good and look strong in my body okay well that's different than just the swimsuit because the swimsuit can come and go like who cares right um but you keep dumbing it down and the thought is is that you ask it seven <laughs> times you kind of like go in circles but really what I find it comes down to especially for moms and women is like we have families that we're raising those things are important to us those are our real wise mm-hmm. we want to be around as long as possible to see our kids We want to see our grandkids. And if we want to do those things, then what do we have to do to take care of ourselves right now? True. Yeah. Um, So basically the idea is that when you, you start with asking the why, and I find this too, right. In, in, in mental health is it starts as a sort of surface level, maybe because I want my relationship to be better. Right. And then it kind of comes down to this core limiting belief, right. That we have. And so we can get to that, which is um, maybe that like, I'm not enough or I'm not good enough, or if, you know, if only this. So I'm thinking yeah. too, when it comes to women in our bodies and our health, there's so much around. I love that idea of like, I just want to be healthy and strong for my kids. I know for me, it's like, I want to have energy for my kids. Yes. I, I want to, I want to exude confidence. It's, I don't care actually what I look like in a bathing yeah. suit, <laughs> but I just want to get in the dang bathing suit and I want to be able yeah. to run around, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyways, go, go, you were saying something so cool about the, the why behind, um, behind change. And I think that's so important. So that's yeah. where you start. Yeah. So we start with the why. And I think the other piece that's helpful is I will actually have people paint out like what do you want your life to look like that it doesn't look like right now? And sort of like thinking about that in terms of the positive. um, So not like I want to lose 15 pounds. It's like, I want to have energy to play with my kids because those are the little people that mean the entire world to me. Sure. Um, So sort of painting out like that vision and then, and always sort of writing it in the present moment. So imagining if you're a year from now, like what would your life look like if you were living like your most authentic, true, like place. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's like, okay, that's the big picture. We're not going to get that overnight. Right. Um, but what we can do is we can then sort of break that down to like, where are we going and what, and what are we doing right now? And so making sort of some 
you know, bigger goals. So like I'll do three month goals and then we'll break those three month goals down to weekly goals. Um, but we check in on the wellness vision. We check in on how those three month goals are coming and we start with really tiny changes. So like if someone wants to improve their nutrition, like maybe I'm just having them, um, try to get more fruits and vegetables in a day. Maybe we're just trying to get water in. If I come to you and if I say like, you have to do X, Y, and Z, but if I have no idea what you're currently doing, then those two things can be really far apart. Mm -hmm. And I would say my last sort of thing that I think about is like, I want you to feel the autonomy in making your own decisions, like designing your life. And so what is it that you think you would actually do this week? That would be like a small thing but it would be impactful enough that you would have to think about it a little bit different than what you did last week. Sure. I love that. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, and I, this is how we started is all, all too often we think it has to be these big things. And so we'll, you know, especially as women, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I think I could guess about going on these sort of like extreme um, or diets. And, you know, I think most of us now are seeing why those don't work and and you and I could both share a bunch of research behind that. Right. But um, I, in my younger self, not too long ago had tried all those things just to be like, Oh, I just had a baby. I should do this. And it never worked because it, one, it wasn't something that I, I ever, like I really wanted to do. And two, it just didn't fit in with my lifestyle. So it wasn't going to be successful. And so often we set ourselves up for failure like that. Yes, of course. Even, and you know, this is something where, um, where I think mindfulness comes in because I can sit up here and talk about this all day, but this is something I literally have to remind myself of every single day, sometimes down to the moment of every single day. Sure. So for example, this morning, since I'm writing my own workouts now, I didn't really want to do strength. I did a bunch of it this week. I was like, but one of my goals every day is sort of to move my body. And I was like, I'm going to run up and down our hill 10 times. (laughs) And then I, but I had to like come back to mindfulness and like my own awareness of myself. And it's like, well, you haven't run up and down that hill 10 times ever. So like, what, what have I done? Right. (laughs) So what have I done? So like, I have been able to do it at least four times. So I was like, I'm going to do it five times this morning. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just those tiny little, um, pushes, I guess you could say yeah. yeah. there where it's something you feel like is attainable, mm. but that's something right. that's not so extreme because if I would have signed myself up for 10, I would have quit after five anyways. Right. And then I go through the whole inner critic and you have to shut down that voice. So why not give yourself something where you can get a win? Yes. Absolutely. I, I think that's such, such great um, guidance too. I was thinking of, it's similar to when we're helping people who are struggling with depression. Um, it's really unrealistic. You know, part of the, the issue with depression is lack of motivation. And so it's really, yet ironically, we know that what helps people with depression is getting out, moving their bodies, volunteering, being a part of the world. However, the motivation isn't there. So there's something, I don't know if you've heard of the five minute rule. It's not, not a real fancy thing, but it's this idea that, um, in CBT, we use it a lot is that if you can just do one thing for five minutes, put your timer on your phone, whether that's getting up and doing the dishes or going for a walk, you have permission to stop after five, but you've got to do it for at least five minutes. And then ultimately, right. Most people will keep going because the whole inertia thing of like, once you're moving, you stay 
but it's that idea of it doesn't have to be okay you're you have depression i need you to sign up to volunteer i need you to exercise every day drink all the water like people just aren't gonna do that yeah 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 i love that um i love timers and using them sort of as an awareness tool and just a tool in general like so many people feel sort of like helpless or like they have no idea where to start because now we're just in this information overload uh place but i love the timer i use it for all sorts of things yeah because there's so many options of, of different voices to listen to and different things to try and so so much of what i think you and i both would agree on is like you have to turn inward and see this is what this is really about is like wh what's going to work for me what am i willing to try and what do I need to tune out in order to be successful? Yeah. Can exactly. we chat for a moment about, because I know in, in, in just talking with you before, um, a lot of what you help them with um, is when they struggle with emotional eating as a coping mechanism, right? Which we know in the field of psychology that, that, that eating can be a sort of poor coping mechanism to big feelings. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hello, I've been there before. Yes, of course. Um, Let's talk about that. How do you, how do you help women overcome that or learn, a, I don't want to say overcome it, but how do you help them learn different tools? Yeah. So I only can speak from this because I'm someone who's gone through it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I was finding like I could, um, eat well during the day. But then as soon as I got home and I was with the kids by myself, like that was like prime time for like binging. Cause like everyone like wants me, they're whining at me and I just can't take it. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so that was like a really big trigger for me. And then also, um, just like in the evening time after everyone's finally gone to bed and you're sort of decompressing, like, like, so I would say those are my biggest Yes. trigger times mm -hmm. to like fall into those behavior patterns. Mm -hmm. So I did not. Um, and honestly, I, I personally always thought it was about the food. I was like, well, I just have to willpower my way out of this. Mm -hmm. I just have to completely restrict it and then it'll be fine. Well, right. you completely restrict until you can't handle that anymore. And then you binge on everything and then you tell yourself, okay, starting tomorrow, I'm not going to do it again. And you just keep going in this pattern and it's sort of this hopeful like piece that your like brain feeds you, I think in the dopamine hits of like your brain is getting like the pleasure from getting the more, cause we are not binging on apples. No, unfortunately. <laughs> right. That'd be cool. Yeah. So your brain's getting like those pleasure, um, hits or whatever. And yeah. it remembers it's smart. It remembers to tell you the next time that you feel this way, this is what you go do. Cause you get relief from it. Yes. Um, just like any other, and I want to point out just like any other sort of like poor or maladaptive coping mechanism, right? Like whether it's alcohol or yeah, food exactly or sex, whatever it might be, you know, not that the shopping, online shopping, oh, right. Shopping just in excess, all those right. things, right. That's why yeah. we get addicted to them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so once I saw my own therapist, um, for this, once I started digging into the work and she was like, well, it's not about the food. And I was like, mm -hmm. uh huh? She's like, it's just, there's, there's uncomfortable emotions that are happening. And this is your way of sort of disassociating from it. And I was like, oh, really? Like that just was like a light bulb moment for me to sure. like, cause there's always thought it was about the food. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so that is really what 
sort of probably spurred all my wellness sort of journey is like, I wanted to know more about it. So read all the books. I do lots of like eating disorder, disordered eating, like trainings through different programs. Um, And I really had to work through that for myself. And it's not like it never happens anymore to me. Like it still happens every once in a while. Yeah. But what I know now is I'm much more aware of when sort of the rabbit holes coming or like the thoughts are coming. And I am more aware of like the choices that I have and what I can do. So like for me, um, one thing that really helps me is sort of having a solid morning routine where get up before the kids, but now they all can hear me. So they all get up with me. <laughs> all screwed up with COVID, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but if I can start my morning pretty solid, so like a little bit of meditation or journaling and some movement, like that's a pretty great way for me to start yeah. my day. And then second of all, like, I do think it is a little bit about the food. Like we have to learn to eat in like a balanced sort of way. So mm-hmm. not starving myself all day to get home and eat everything at night. Like I mm-hmm. hear that all the time, but eating like balanced meals. And I, I know that intermittent fasting works for some people. I'm not personally a proponent of it because if I wait that long to feed my body, I just end up binging again. Right. Actually, so I- problematic for so many people. I mean, I know yeah. you're expert in this, but the idea of starving yourself, like it just, yeah. can, I think it, 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 it puts this like control thing over food, which I think can, for some people, maybe they're fine with it, but for yeah. a lot of people, it would trigger an eating disorder potentially. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that is a piece of it is like learning what your body needs and what sorts of amounts. And I like some of the intuitive eating principles, but we live- ask about eating. Tell me, yeah. Tell me what you think about it. But we live in this world where tons of processed foods and, you know, there's fast food on every corner and they're all so easy for us to get to. Um, and it's really hard to intuitively eat, you know, the Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are always like my choice. Yeah. Um, or French fries. Like they literally, I was, um, listening to one thing once where they're talking about the researchers who make like Lay's potato chips, they literally put their people in a functional MRI brain machine and they make sure that they are lighting up their pleasure centers when they eat those things. Wow. I did not know that, but that makes a lot of sense. That's why you can't stop eating them. Yeah. That's why you can easily down a bag of chips, but you're not going to down a bag of broccoli like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's important to sort of like understand nutrition composition of food and get your sort of like balanced stuff in there. But I am never a proponent of like completely restricting sugar. Like that always sort of like drives me bonkers when it backfires on people, people are like, well, I, I just don't want to eat it at all. And it's like, okay. I mean, I think for some people, I mean, I've yet to meet very many people who can do that long-term, but like but so anyways, so my like sort of intuitive eating too, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah. I think there's so much to be said there because I know a lot of my personal friends are, are, um, have, have, or a couple of my personal friends I'm thinking of have struggled with, um, weight and eating and, and binge eating and then restricting and diets. And, um, one of my friends in particular, I'm thinking of is trying to start doing the intuitive eating thing. And she brought this up to me and I was like, good point. She's like, I don't think like, I don't think it's in, intuitive for me to follow my cravings all the time because yeah. like, that's how I got here. Right. Right. So I, I, I know it's more complicated than that, but I think yeah. I just don't fully 
buy in. I'm kind of afraid to say that in a way because I yeah. think it's such a big I thing. Know. I know. I buy in. Yeah. So what I so I like to call them mindfulness practices around yeah. foods. I like because that. I can't intuitively eat chocolate. I just can't. Mm-hmm. But I can't. So mindfulness is like an awareness that you have a choice as to how you want to feel and what you want to do. Like that's mm-hmm. what's within your control, right? Mm-hmm. So my work really started with like I have this thing of Reese's peanut butter cups here. Do I want one? Um, And if I do, can I do a mindfulness practice around it? Because for me, like I had to learn how to be around those trigger foods Mm -hmm. and keep them in the house without binging on them. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody all the time, like until you sort of like meet those anxieties and fears, like head on, it's just the avoid, restrict, binge, repeat 10 million times. True. Yeah. So, um, I like exposure therapy here, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. The Reese's in front of you, you're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so I actually love your timer trick for eating the more hyper palatable processed foods. It's like, mm-hmm. I can have them, right? I just know that it might affect the way I feel. I'm probably going to want more. I'm less likely to feel super satisfied after I'm done. Right. Um, and so one of my favorite tools that I use for people, one is take your food that's so triggering to you. And I usually tell people to do this, like after you've eaten like a good balanced meal. So you're not like starving. Yeah. Yeah. But take the food that like is your trigger and take a bite and bring in those five senses and set your timer for five minutes. In five minutes, if you want another bite, I don't care if you have another bite, have another bite. But usually what happens is they have to slow down because they want to taste it. They want to sort of engage those senses. And then by the time five minutes rolls around, like maybe they want another bite or another couple of bites. But most of the time you can like sort of move on from the craving in that period of time. That's a really cool exercise. And I think too, because it, it, um, it, it, we get into when we are sort of like, Ooh, like when we have this brain, this mindset of this is bad. I shouldn't be eating it. We start to eat faster. Right. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. And so, um, it's like, I, I could hide it real quick. And so this mindfulness exercise around that is really cool. And then I also think, and probably before that, I'm, I'm sure you're going to address this is helping people, um, identify what's, what emotion are they feeling that's triggering the desire to eat, right. To, yeah. to binge or, or eat food that maybe I don't say binge, but eat food that maybe just non-mindfully eat. I know for yeah. me, it's always like say around the kid's dinner, if, especially if my husband's <laughs> in the firehouse, I'm like cooking yeah. the mac and cheese or something. And suddenly I'm eating the mac and cheese, which I'm gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant before I even realize it. And I'm like, yeah. why are you eating this? I think it's, and for me, you're right. I think just hearing you say that it's this, it's the chaos going around me and the stress and I'm just, yeah. Yeah. The other tool I like to use for like, because no one sort of like binges or (laughs) overeats like that in front of everyone. Like it's always like a very like secret sort of hiding in the pantry closet, like eating all the things. Right. So another thing that I tell people to work with is like, if that's where you're at, yeah. if you're like, I need to go into the pantry after everyone goes to bed, I'm going to sneak a bunch of food. I'm going to eat it as fast as I can. If you know, like that's, what's about to happen, then I love busting the journal out and writing about like 
what is going on right now? What was going on before this happened? And then um, I don't know if you follow any of Renfrew's stuff, Renfrew no. Eating Disorder Clinic. Mm -mm. They have a method they call ARC. I mean, everyone sort of has something similar, but it's um, mm -hmm. the antecedent. So, th so this is what someone could journal about instead of binging. Okay. Uh, so the antecedent is like, what happened before this? Okay, sure. Um, could have been 10 years ago, could have been 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. um, and then the R stands for response. So the response is like, what are my thoughts about this? Like, so what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? And then for me, so I always actually had a really hard time identifying like what feelings I was feeling mm -hmm. when I was like going in the binging stuff. Like I just felt blank and my yeah. therapist would be like, what are you feeling? I was like, I, I don't feel anything. Yeah. And so another thing that they can kind of tap into is like, okay, where do you feel this in your body? Sure. Absolutely. Because if our feelings are just manifestations, like in our body, then we can start to like unravel it that way. Yeah. And then C is the consequence. So like, what's the short-term consequence if I do this mm -hmm. and what's the long-term consequence mm -hmm. and sort of, so then you can start identifying your trigger loops and like, when is this happening? Is it always happening around this? Um, and if it is, then like, what are things we can do around those times that are within our control to show up in a different way? Love that. That's literally the same thing that we do with people who um, are treating anxiety disorders, right? Is um, it's in CBT called the thought record and in, in, in um, ACT, it's, it's a little bit different, but I love it. It's the idea of identifying what was the trigger what were you feeling? And, uh, and not just some, yeah, emotions. If you can't label it also, what were you feeling in your body? What were you thinking? And um, what was your action or behavior? But I love taking it a step further of what do you perceive will be the consequence, right? Or what do you perceive will be the outcome? To that, I would imagine for me, if I went through that whole thing, it would be um, that I would feel in the moment like appeased and then mm -hmm. end up having a stomach ache, regretting it. Not even so much because... I felt like, oh, I shouldn't eat that, but because I didn't feel good for me, it's really energy. Yeah. 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 And I think um, another thing that Renfrew kind of always points out is like the first five to 20 times someone like surfs the wave of a craving or an emotion, it's really the emotion, right? Mm -hmm. um, are the hardest times. And I remember the first time I made cookie dough and I didn't like just eat a ton of it. Yeah. And instead I went upstairs to my room and I journaled about it and I was like, I only ate, I think like one scoop and, um, but I feel shaky. I feel scared. I feel like, I don't know if I can possibly keep this up for the rest of my life, like went through everything. Mm -hmm. And so what I tell people is like those first, like five to 20, 50, there's not really like a set number on it. Right. But those are going to be the times you feel like gouging your eyes out. Like, I think I wrote, like, I want to like pull my eyes out. Like right. it was it's that awkward. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But once I think you learn after a couple of times that, cause Renfrew always talks about this as well as like, once you learn that you can go. So if you think of like a wave, like zero to 10, yeah. so if, so if you only get to five or six and at five or six, you're, <laughs> you're eating instead of feeling or whatever, then yeah. you're never going to learn what it feels like at seven, eight, nine, and 10. Yeah. To learn that it goes back to nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, Absolutely. Two, 
literally this is this is this is what we do in exposure therapy there's so many parallels here and that makes sense right because eating is a it's an emotional it can overeating or emotional eating right is triggered by these big feelings that we just don't want to have to sit with or deal with or they're hard really hard and I think the other piece of that is like so if there's any sort of predictability to like these triggers um (laughs) cravings whatever if you can find like a support person to like be your person to like bring them on board. So like for me, it was always like my, my husband, I would be like feeling like binging or if I like bust out my journal, he's always like, what do you need help with? <laughs> Cause I think as women, like, like yeah. we just like want to like take everything on ourselves, but it oh. really is so helpful to have someone who just can sit with you and be with you and be like, it's going to be okay. Like this is going to yeah. pass. Yeah. Not somebody who's like, don't eat that. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because that, then you just want to punch him in the face, but the person exactly. who's like, Hey, what's really going on for you? Yeah. Yeah. This is where I always come back to like, have good people in your circle, right? Make sure yeah. that you have somebody who at least one or two people who you can go to in these moments. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So you're really helping people work through what's underneath the behaviors that are holding them back. And I know right now we, we focused on emotional eating a bit, but there's other things, right. That hold people back from, from really living well and, and engaging sort of in those five pillars. Was there five or six pillars? Six 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 pillars. Um, yeah. And, and for exercise and movement, what do you see are some of the biggest barriers? So exercise and movement, the barriers, I think it's just like, no one knows how much they should be doing. Um, Even I listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how most physicians can't even name sort of the recommendations that are put out by like the national organizations. Um, Wow. So what I tell people is, so the... The national recommendation is 150 minutes a week. Okay. That's about, do the math for us. I'm slow here. I think it's 30 minutes a day. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, you want at least two of those days to be strength or like um, more like a HIIT workout or Mm -hmm. something where you're building muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I say is like, where are you at in that (laughs) in that 150 minutes. Cause if someone's at zero, then I can't just tell them go work out 150 minutes this week. Right. That's too, it doesn't work. Yeah. But if, but if instead I say to you, this is the overall recommendation, 150 minutes. And you say to me, okay, well right now I walk two times a week and I walk 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then if I say to you, okay, what do you think you could do this next week? that feels doable. You feel like you could attain that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be a little bit of a push for you. Sure. And then right. they tell me their answer and we go from there. Right. Because right. I tell people over and over, it's like, I can't tell you what to do. Yeah. I can give you guidelines and support you along the way, but ultimately this comes from you and within you and you know, you best. So mm-hmm. let's pick something that feels good to you. Yes. Yeah. That's such great advice. And so, um, so much more graceful and supportive than what we often hear in this space of personal growth and wellness, you know, without naming names, although I'm cool with naming names, but, um, as of, as of late, um, I'll just say I, um, Rachel Hollis had a big, are you aware of the whole social media thing that happened with her? 
think I saw it and I was like, what happened? I don't think I follow her, but yes, please yeah, explain well, to me what happened. Yeah. So basically she just, um, she posted a controversial video that in which she seemed to really, I'll just say, um, have a poor understanding of like how to motivate people. Right. And then also what she's had multiple messages like this. Um, and that's because she doesn't have any formal education in psychology or mental health, which is fine. But when you're trying to then um, give people advice on those things, right. It yeah. can look in your face and here it did. And so um, I, I do follow her because um I'm interested. I know that a lot of women are really influenced by her. Um, I even found some of her messages to be impactful in the beginning, sure. in the early days. But now I'm like, wow, I don't know what's happened. But um, so much of the, there's so much like, I want to say like toxic, so many toxic ideologies around how we motivate ourselves. Rigidity, right? Versus flexibility. Like we know, for example, that if we should be moving our body or we want it, our goal, say my personal goal is to move my body 20 minutes a day. I'm not going to say that I have to do it at 6 a.m. every day because yeah. it's not right, right? Like what yeah. if I say no matter what, I'm going to try and get it in. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I think we do ourselves such a disservice when we, when we have to stick to these hard, rigid schedules um, without recognizing that life happens life happens right because yeah sometimes we do need to start with with a more structured schedule and i know i'm a person who does well with that but i also have to be graceful with myself when life happens and so yeah. that's missing a lot i think in this space and so i love hearing from people like you who can see the whole picture and i think most most lifestyle medicine yeah. specialists would say that too yeah I think the other thing that I sort of, and you can tell me if I'm way off on this, but mm -hmm. everything I've sort of learned about motivation is like, motivation is like fleeting. Like some days we feel really motivated and some days we're like, I'm just going to sit on the couch because I don't want to move and I'm tired. Yes. And so I think that's where your five minute thing is yes. such a huge game changer because I we know that once we get into action, we usually get the results. So if the action is that you go walk for 20 minutes and then you feel really good after you're doing it, yeah, then that's, what's going to push you to do it again. Absolutely. Not the other way around. And so I try to remind my patients of that as well. It's like, I know that the motivation is not going to be there every single day. You can't wait for the motivation. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like put these parameters on yourself to like, oh my God, if I don't get this done, it means I'm a total failure. No, if you don't get it done, you just get back to it as soon as you can at the next like opportunity. It's the same thing with like binge eating. Mm -hmm. If it so happens that you do have a binge, you don't have to binge the rest of the day. Right. You can just have a good meal at the very next moment. You can yeah. drink a glass of water. Yes. Yes. I love, um, what's the, um, there's a, is it Kelly Levesque? Is she a, she's like a, celebrity nutritionists, um, I think. Am, am I yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I think you're right. But I do like, she talks about that. I heard her on a podcast saying like, it does, it's not like everything's lost and you're like, oh, I'm a horrible person. It's like, just like make the next right choice. I, I like that or the next good choice or best yeah. choice, however she worded it. Um, so yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about mindfulness practices is mm -hmm. because it's like, you can't keep like blowing the whole day and be mindful. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. So the sooner that, and I think mindfulness is just like a connection back to ourselves. And then I think like one of the most simple questions you can ask yourself when you get into that headspace is like, what's one loving thing I could do for myself right now? Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. And what are some examples of that? Do you think like, could I, um, so I love, like, I love all things mindfulness practice. So I love meditation, like whether it's five to 10 minutes, love to go for a walk. I will actually just grab one of my kids and be like, do you want to go on a walk around the block? Like it doesn't have to be long. Yeah. I love grabbing my journal. I love reading. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, honestly, the other thing that's like sort of been my crutch over these past couple of years is I've made like a mood boosting playlist. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. So these are just like, anytime I hear like a good song or anything that sort of like lifts me up or even sad songs actually still make it on there. Just like Um, feel, right? yeah. Yeah. So I'll put that on our like Bluetooth speaker in the kitchen and I'll get going on the dishes or something. Like sometimes we need the distraction. Sometimes we need to feel the feels in the journal. Yes. This is really the piece of like, it's okay. Yeah. This is really the piece where I think the more you can get to know yourself and get to know what really like you value and what you care about, then you can make your decisions from there. Right. Don't you agree that I think in, in, from we're, while we have different specialty areas, I think that you mentioned like you love the work of like helping people heal and live well. Right. And it's like, you have a different entry point than I do. Right. Um, as far as being a therapist versus an MP, but at the same time, it always comes down to first helping people identify what are their core values, what's important to them. Otherwise the work that we do together is going to be pretty meaningless. Yes, absolutely. I actually, um, I've really sort of gotten into all of the values, like base approach of thinking about things Mm -hmm. because the external factors, the external goals, like, um, I want to do X because this summer, this event is happening. Yeah. Or I'm getting married. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then that happens. And then what? So I love the values based approach to it because you can say like, I value taking care of my body and moving it because I want to be healthy for my kids when I get older. Mm -hmm. So instead of you're waking up and telling yourself like it's time for my workout because I want to lose 10 pounds. No, you're getting up because this serves you tenfold in what actually matters to you and what drives you as a human being. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. And then on, you know, I think something else we could address before we start to wrap up, because I could talk to you forever. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Is uh, what what about what do you say? Because I know I come across this in my work with my clients to women, especially who experience guilt around taking care of themselves. This is such a huge topic, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. The the mom guilt thing, I think, is so tough because it almost feels like it's innate or like it was part of us when we were born Mm -hmm. because my husband is not worried about dad guilt like they're like what's that like if I say like hey go take two hours to yourself he's like okay I'll see you later and and he doesn't think like two more instances about it he's like sweet (laughs) if I take two hours and I hear someone's crying I'm like do I need to go downstairs do I need to, you know, are we just saying um, my mind? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> so I think the most important thing with the mom guilt is recognizing when those thoughts start popping up and then rewriting the story. It's like, yeah. I'm doing this because this is a way that I actually take care of my family. This is, this is a value that actually they will 
um, glean like for years to come. Mm, yeah. But so it's a constant, I, like retelling yourself that keep coming. even, even you and I who have done a lot of work, right. On our yeah. self work and therapy and are trained in this stuff. I, I can speak for myself and say, I have to keep coming back to that truth of even, even when I get resistance from well-meaning people, even if it's my husband and maybe I'm inconveniencing him by, you know, taking my extra time to work out or, or to do my podcast or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, he might give me some sort of comment, right. That I feel is, um, not totally supportive and I have a choice to take the bait or I can just say that's about his stuff, not about yeah. mine and yeah. move forward. And that's hard for me, but I practice it a lot. Yeah. I think, um, that piece of like, you have to come back to it every day. So yeah. I tell people all the time, like, it's not like one magical day you're going to be done emotionally eating. Yeah. But what you can change is how you react to those feelings, those thoughts, mm. and you can write a story that way. Mm. And guess what? Even if you mess up, you're a human being. Like this is part of our experience. We get to keep coming Just back. Just get back to yourself in every single moment. Yeah. And that's where the mindfulness really comes in. It's giving that, that invitation to come back to the present moment, to start new and start fresh. And yeah. And so. without the judgment, you know, like we're so hard on ourselves. So, um, I heard once that like, once we go into judgment mode, like we cannot learn or grow. Like mm -hmm. once we're in that sort of like shame spiral. Yeah. So as soon as you can start like recognizing, like, what is that voice in my head telling me? And then like separating, like, is that actually true? It's usually mm -hmm. not true. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and or then making a new true, story. Is that actually helpful, right? Like, yeah. is it actually helpful? I think yeah. that's another, but yeah. And then, and then, and I like that. And then when you say making your story, meaning deciding what is it that I, how, how do I want to change the script on that? Right. Like what's going to be more helpful and what's going to be more in line with my values. Yep. And reflecting back on like, okay, so if you did have something where it didn't go as you wanted it to, your brain doesn't like to reflect like in the moment, it just wants you to keep going down the like second yeah. arrow sort of spiral. Um, but if you can actually ask yourself, like what happened, what can I do differently? You're back in the, you're back in the driver's seat. Right. Oh, I love that. You're back in the driver's seat. So true. Yeah. Well, you're back in the part of your brain that actually can, that can actually exactly. make, make uh, good decisions. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Good. Well, tell us, um, thank you so much. Um, absolutely. Like I said, I could have this conversation forever. I know. I feel the same. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, tell us where can people find you? Well, actually first I want to know do you have any recommendations for women who are wanting to like say, okay, I love this. I love what Molly's saying. I want to start one small thing this week. And I know you have to know kind of where they're at already. Yeah. But what would you say? Um, <laughs> this like, is so tough because there's so many. Figure out your why, right? Like I almost, uh, yeah. kind of like where you would, that's what it that's where I think would be intuitive, but you tell me. I think finding your why would be super important. Um, I think asking yourself where you want to go mm -hmm. and what's holding you back. What's, what's, what keeps popping up for you mm -hmm. and then seeing like what you need to do around that for your personal work, like your personal journey, like 
do you want to get a book and read about it? Do you want to practice a mindfulness activity around a food that you've never been able to sort of just eat moderately, you know? I'm going to um, for sure. I'm gonna <laughs> take out those, those Reese's eggs that my kids got from oh, Easter. Oh yeah, those are the best. <laughs> my husband got me my own personal candy stash this Easter. Oh man. <laughs> and my three-year-old. So he got me this Reese's egg thing. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like literally a chocolate, like coated egg and then it has Reese's pieces in the middle no but that sounds amazing <laughs> and my three-year-old was like mommy can I have this and I was like that is mommy's special candy <laughs> you're like back off kid then I gave it to her <laughs> so difficult right uh, yeah so that's where I'd start I, I love that thank you for that and I'm so glad you didn't say drink half your body weight in water every day right because like that's not oh, a yeah. bad thing but like what is that even hello how do you know how much water somebody already drinks and also I don't know yeah. I mean, I think that the water part is important. It's a hydration piece, oh, but the real work I think for women really starts in digging into why can't like, like, I hate it whenever I see people be like, well, just don't keep that in your house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, why don't you work on finding a way to have it in your house where you're not always binging on it? Right. Yeah. Yes. Cause that avoidance technique doesn't work long-term for anything, whether we're talking no. about food or emotions, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Tell, tell us where can people find you and follow, follow along your work? Sure. So, um, I, my website is mollylupo.com. Okay. M O L L Y L U P O. My okay. Instagram is unsinkable Molly N P. You have a great um, account. Yeah. Unsinkable Molly MP. And then I also have a Facebook group for moms. It's called macros and mindset for moms where I post a bunch of content. Um, and then I have a podcast, the forums with, with Molly. And so I go over everything we just talked about today, every week, either a solo sort of something I'm passionate about or a guest interview. I love it. That's so great. So you got your podcast, you got your social media page and your website and you do one-on-one -on -one work coaching. work. Yes. Cool. Yep. I do one-on-one -on -one stuff where we like really customize and hone in on like what it is you need and making a really sort of supportive plan to get you there. I love it. Okay. So check out our website, check out her Instagram page and podcast, the four M's with Molly. Thank you so much for being on today. And Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. In a world where I know you have 5 million other choices, I really appreciate your support. If you like what you heard here, please head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave me a review. You can also email me at hello at livingwellwithcaitlin.com with any questions or ideas for future episodes. If you want to dive a little bit deeper and do some of this work yourself or find out what resources are out there, what I provide, head to livingwellwithcaitlin.com.